Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Pastor Larry Vold here with you today and excited to be in the studio because today we're interviewing, I'm interviewing Pastor Danny Strange, who is my successor to this role as senior pastor. And for the last three special interviews that we've done, uh, podcasts, uh, I've been on the receiving end. I've been the, in, the one being interviewed. And today the table turns. I get to interview Pastor Danny. And we're going to talk about things like his emotions coming through this process, what God has been speaking to him about, what does he think about our church and the vision of our church for this community, and what is he learning, and what's the vibe of his family. So you got to stay tuned and check this out. It's going to be awesome. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Danny, great to have you in the studio Thank today. you so much for inviting me in today. <laughs> have you ever been interviewed on a podcast? I never have. I've always, I always prefer to be the interviewer. So the uh-huh. tables have turned today. The tables have turned. Well, I'm excited to be here. I'm sitting right here with the next senior pastor of Three Crosses wow. Church. Wow. I'm excited about that. I'm glad you're excited about that. <laughs> I'm excited about that too. I'm, uh, but I'm reassured that you're excited. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about this today. This is only the second time in our church's history that there's been a transition with the former senior pastor and the new senior pastor coming in. Because we started with Earl back in, was it 35? Yeah, 37, I think. Okay. Somewhere in there. Yeah, 35, and then he 37. passed away 17 years later. Yep. And Pastor Jake was installed, 54. And so that was just straight installation. Straight installation. From, was he hired straight to the senior pastorate from yep. s- another church? Yep. Willow okay. Glen Alliance Church in okay. San Jose. Yeah. Okay. So he came in and then um, 42 years later, wow. he was in the service that he handed the baton over to me. And Lord willing, I have the privilege of doing that in a couple of weeks. So so if Jake did 42 years and then you did 23 years, I think I only need to do like seven years. Yeah, the trajectory is <laughs> going down. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to do 42. I'd love to do 23. I don't know if I can do 42. I'm sure you'll do at least 23, if not more. Yeah. So and one day that. more. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Danny. So let's kick this off. Our listeners have heard a lot about my process. Yes, and they've loved it. It's been, I've gotten a lot of great feedback from people here in Awesome. I know you're supposed to be asking the questions. Here. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. You continue. You continue. I like to That's be in all right. I like the banter back and forth. But you know, they, they've been listening to the process that I've been under. And I just thought it'd be cool for our listeners to hear a little bit about the process from your perspective. What's been going on with you during this process? Yeah, it's been a it's been a good process for me. You know, you and I sat down, I don't even remember how many years ago, maybe three or yeah, about three. Three and a half years now and um had I think I described it at the time to you as the most awkward conversation of all time because mm. I, I gave you an analogy. I don't know if you remember this, yep, but uh, I, I I told you that I felt like a woman who was going to give birth to a baby. <laughs> and what I was referring to is I that said, got my I, attention. Too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what is he coming in here to talk about? So I just said, hey, here, here's the what's going on with me. I said, I, for, for the last couple of years, I've got this desire that comes every once in a while on that makes it feel like God might be calling me someday to serve as a senior pastor at a church. And this is where the pregnancy comes in. I said, I feel like those desires are getting closer and closer together, like contractions. <laughs> and I told you at that time, I, I don't know if there's anything in the works here in terms of how long you want to be here, or if I'm someone that you're considering for that role or the board or whatever, but I just feel like I need to put it out on the table. Cause what I would hate would be if 
all of a sudden God calls me to step into a role like that and I leave and take a job somewhere and you say, but wait, we're in a process, you know? Um, so I said, I don't know if there's anything, you don't have to tell me anything. I don't have any plans to step into that kind of role. I'm just noticing this movement of the spirit in my life. <laughs> and I don't know when this <laughs> baby is going to be born, but I just want to make sure we're having those conversations so that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that this is a, a conversation. So that kind of started the, the, those conversations, not, not a long iteration of conversations. I think, you know, you had just said, Hey, yeah, you know, I don't want to be here forever. And I, you know, I want to devote myself to training up you and anyone else who, who could step into that role next. And, you know, I see that you've got those gifts, those kinds of things. And you know, I think we connected on that maybe a year later, year and a half later again, and kind of just touched base. And so it was pretty slow moving for a while. And, mm-hmm. and the same thing was true with me in my spirit where I, I didn't feel like I wanted to leave. I didn't feel like I won't, you know, I've never felt like, oh, I need Larry's job or anything. I was just trying to be sensitive to what God was doing in my life mm-hmm. and um, honest about kind of where that was. And so I think it, in the last couple of years, as, as those conversations have started with the board, that's where I've had a lot of that kind of, you, you described the, or the wrestling matches with God. Uh, I had a lot of those different things of just, you know, I think for me, my biggest fear um, cause it kind of started to feel like as the board and you had those conversations, it, it felt like what the most likely outcome would be is that someday the board would ask me to step into this role if I'm still here. And I, my biggest fear was that, that that would just kind of happen naturally. And I wouldn't know if that was God calling me to do that, or if I just got a promotion at work that I wasn't sure if I should take or something. And so my prayer became, God, I need you to make it really clear, um, what, what I should do because I, I don't, I want to steward this life that you've given me. I want to follow your calling. This is a big deal. Whatever church, um, you might call me to be in, in the, at that capacity or any capacity. And I want to make sure that, that I'm following your leading and not just, uh, you know, just kind of following the next steps in my progression here and just landing in a role that someday I look back and think, how did I get here? I don't know if I'm the right guy for this, you know? And so I think that was, that was my big, my big fear. So I've spent the last couple of years just wrestling through that. Um, and you and I've talked a lot, kind of going back and forth of, okay, maybe God's calling me to go somewhere totally different and step out in faith. And, uh, maybe it's not coming together here. Maybe, uh, maybe it is going to come together here, but how do I know? And, you know, I remember telling you maybe, I don't know, six months, no, not six months, but a year, year and a half ago that you know, I, what I really want is, and I know I don't get this for sure, but I really want to feel like God himself is the one who's orchestrating this so that yeah. on, on difficult days, which I'm sure I will have in the next mm-hmm. 23 years in difficult days, when I want to quit my job or I feel like I, God, you got the wrong guy. I could look back at a moment in 2018 or 2019 or 2017 where I said, you know what? No, God told me to do this. I'm going to keep doing it. And mm-hmm. so that was my selfish prayer um, <laughs> because that's how I've always operated in pastoral ministry is yeah. kind of looking back at the moment that God called me into ministry, say, no, this is the thing that he told me to do. Yeah. And so a lot of the wrestling I did was around around that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting. I think that's why we kind of call this kind of a dance, you know, because mm-hmm. there was times where, you know, like I knew, like I had said, like, I'm not going to be here forever. Every pastor is an interim pastor but still having a fair amount of, you know, energy and the desire to continue in the role that I was in, but also in my heart, sort of that, that toggling of Lord, as you're preparing someone else that eventually is going to take my place, you know, how are you preparing me? So it's Mm -hmm. been really cool as people have been hearing about the process that I went through to kind of see that same process going on with you, that you were wrestling and sort of the stars were lining up, so to speak, where God is kind of putting things together in your mind and giving you more clarity. And then as you search for that sort of like, 
confirmation, you know, which, which ultimately was going to come from an actual calling or a, an invitation, mm-hmm. you know, from the board. It was exciting to see, you know, kind of that wrestling match that was going on. Can you give us any sort of uh, particular insight into any breakthroughs that you might have had during yeah. that time, especially coming, coming up nearer the end of the process where it looked like it was becoming evident that, you know, yeah, I think be... for me, I think the biggest um, breakthrough happened probably about 14 months ago it was October of last year. I had, you know, we had gone through the spring and I was wrestling through all this, not really getting any clear answers. I went out on sabbatical leave for eight weeks the summer of that year and um, just said, you know, I'm not going to wrestle. I'm just going to rest and see if God does something. And I came back thinking, okay, maybe I, I don't know. I don't know what God wants me to do. And, and, and got to a point where I got some counsel from from a friend who said, you know what, you just need to devote some time to seeking the Lord and saying, tell me what to do because uh, you got to figure I got to figure this out and see if he answers. And so I had an opportunity to go take a, a retreat with some probably six different pastors from around California, Nevada, and um, we try to get together every year. And so I was going down to have this retreat with them, and I thought, you know what, during this retreat, I'll seek the Lord a little bit. And it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> Over the course of that, the day before the retreat, almost everyone just disappeared. You know, we had one guy who, um, it was the same week as that Las Vegas shooting, and he was a mm-hmm. pastor in Las Vegas and called and said, hey, I can't, I can't sure. come this year. I got to care for my people. We had somebody call and say, hey, my mother-in-law was just diagnosed with cancer. We're going down to, to visit her in San Diego. I can't make it this year. And a guy called and said on his way to the airport, his son had a seizure, had to turn his car around to go home and be with his family. Wow. Um, and so it just ended up me and this other guy, and this other guy from LA was going to drive up the hill to Big Bear and meet with us. And these fires came up in Anaheim. And so he had to turn his car around to go back home. So just me and this one other guy up at Big Bear in this big uh, cabin alone. And he's like, all right, if no one else is coming, I'm probably going to go home. And so then he goes home. So I'm here, no car. I was planning on fasting for a lot of that week and then going out with those guys but I had no car no food so it was like me a loaf of bread um in this giant cabin by myself Mm. and beautiful uh, yeah the uh, (laughs) recipe for either a um a murder in the woods or for God (laughs) to speak and and it was really interesting what happened I didn't get any kind of audible, like you had mentioned that, that release in your mind of, okay, it's time. I didn't have even anything like that. Mm -hmm. I just noticed over the course of the week, kind of, as I reflected on what was happening, I just started, this excitement started growing, not to be a senior pastor anywhere, but this excitement started growing to come back to three crosses and serve you Mm -hmm. and just step into this executive pastor role that the board had crafted Mm -hmm. for me. And I remember just thinking, you know, I don't even care what, what I'm going to do with my life. I'm just going to come and I'm going to extend Larry's uh, presence throughout our church and help him and just, oh, if I spend the next five years just helping Larry succeed, that's awesome. And so that was the big breakthrough really was mm-hmm. less about any kind of job future thing, but more, mm-hmm. I'm going to come down the hill and I'm just going to serve. So um, I came down and, and met with you and said, Hey, you know what? Scrap all the plans that I thought I had for next year in terms of development and strategy. I just want to listen to you, meet with you and, and help you run this church the way you, you feel like God is sent, is leading you to run this church. And I feel like f- for me, and then I feel like for our relationship, then I feel like mm-hmm. for the conversations with the board, that was this turning point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I can only speak for myself, but this turning point of, you know, I'm not worried about the future. I'm just going to serve and see what happens. And I feel like looking back, that's kind of the weekend or the week that changed everything. Mm-hmm. 
And like I said, it wasn't an audible voice, but um, that was kind of the turning point for me. That's awesome. And I think I saw that too. I, I remember when you came back from that time and explained what had happened. I did see sort of an attitude change with you. And not that you were sort of like, you know, grasping for the position, but obviously there was something there that, like you said, in that pregnancy, you know, uh, metaphor. <laughs> I hope that, that you felt like. You know, remember when you were pregnant? Yeah, yeah that thing. That, yeah. Uh, you know, that uh, during that time, there was a sense in which God was really calling you to be a senior pastor. And that was coming through in conversations and things. And so it was really cool to kind of watch how God was sort of tempering your spirit for the position and more just kind of wanting you to drill down and work on stuff in your own life and mm-hmm. to become a part of and continue to be a part of, you know, just the the matrix of our own leadership. So that was really awesome to see that change and to feel that change. So all the way along during that time, we were making lots of conversations about church, about ministry, about everything. Uh, and then as time got closer and the board became more serious about really investigating you as a potential candidate mm-hmm. for that role, um, I want you just to kind of talk a little bit about like in all the conversations that we had leading up to that point, um, describe a little bit of the emotion when it actually became official, when the board had made a decision that this was in fact the will of God and they made, they extended to you an official call to be the next senior Mm -hmm. pastor. Um, walk us through just kind of what that felt like for you in that moment. What was, what was the emotional baseline at that moment? I think the, you know, we, we had had a, a board, a meeting with the board and you were up in Sea Ranch and so the, the meeting was an interview, like a job interview. So it was weird. I felt like I was going to a job interview at my job. Um, and, but we had a great conversation and in the midst of the conversation with the board, I felt like something was kind of turning where we, our conversation moved from kind of classic interview to more, it felt like all of a sudden it felt like we were a team of people kind of crafting ideas for the the future together. And it just felt like something was changing in the room just mm-hmm. through the course of the conversation. So I walked out of there and thought, well, I think that went good in the sense that I, my whole goal, this whole process was I'm just going to be really honest about who God has created me to be. And because I don't want to find out later that I'm the wrong guy. So I'm just going to put it all on the table now. And so I walked away feeling good about that and didn't expect anything. Like there was supposed to be a, a process of, you know, a couple more meetings and conversations and voting and all that. But I got home that night and I was, uh, you know, starting to tell Jessica, Hey, here's you know how that meeting went. And and my phone rang and it was uh, one of our, our board members and he just said, hey, just wanted to let you know we decided to vote right when you left and um, we want to extend this call to you to be the next senior pastor of our church. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. And I'm thinking like, is this how this happens? This is, you know, and uh, he said, you know, somebody else is on the phone with Larry right now and we're kind of talking through him. He's going to be really excited and we're really excited. And, and I'm like, well, okay. You know, I said, so do you accept? I thought, why? Well, I, I feel like I was supposed to say yes, you know, like, but, but at the same time, I feel like inappropriate to just say yes. So I said, well, Hey, I, I don't, you know, I think I said something like, I don't have authority over my own life. So I need to talk to the Lord. I need to talk to my wife. I'll let you know soon. Um, and so I talked to my wife. Um, I prayed through it for that evening. I connected with you on the phone the next morning and, uh, and then called him back and, and let him know, Hey, I'm, I'm in. So it was interesting that that wasn't really the moment you know, when, when I look back at, okay, how do I know that this is the right decision? Um, even in that moment, I'm thinking like, I hope this is the right decision. I've done everything that a person can do to get wisdom. You know, I've fasted, I've prayed, I've asked the Lord, I've talked to people, this seems right. Um, but I think over the, even over the last few months, just kind of, as you and I've talked about the process and kind of seeing the way that God has gotten our board to a place that they're like, no, unanimously, you are the guy. 
um, and watching how he's done that and how prayer and how fasting has been used in that process to change hearts and have great conversations. And in my own life, I just feel like at this point, the, the beauty of what this process has given me is that because we've gone through a process and because God has worked through it, through these instruments like prayer and fasting he's given us, I just walk into this thinking, God has called me to do this. And I know that I've already said what I feel like, there's no way I can do this. This is, you've said, this is an impossible job. Mm -hmm. I am able right now even to remind myself, God chose me to do this. And that doesn't mean I'm going to do it perfectly, but that means that I can keep my head up and keep walking forward Mm -hmm. on those days that I don't want to. And so I feel like he has answered that prayer of um, giving me a season to look back at, to say, no, I know that God himself called me into this. So it's, it's been a really good season, a hard season, but a good season. I remember just walking back through that too. Yeah. Because there was supposed to be after that interview, you know, then sort of a period of uh, continued prayer and thought and, and then a vote later on. And so I was equally as surprised when the phone call came to me, uh, that there had been the vote that night. And yet again, how wonderful it was that God just moved very spontaneously in the midst of a process that was very deliberate and intentional, but God moved in a way that shows that it was really, uh, not just, you know, a plotted out, you know, uh, procedure, but that there was, you know, spirit led movement Mm -hmm. in it. I thought that was Mm -hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the new year. So yeah. uh, we've got this great new year coming up and you're starting the new year off with a series that will help us look back on the history of our church. And the question I want to ask is how has our history as a church most significantly shaped your role as a spiritual leader? How has our history shaped my role? I think that I love our history. I, I'm, I'm so excited I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to ruin the surprise, but I'm (laughs) so excited for this series in January. We're going to have some great ways to get some glimpses into the amazing things that God has done in our church in the last, you know, since 1937. Mm -hmm. And even before as the kind of the group started to form that eventually, you know, three people and 15 bucks or whatever decided to bring in a pastor and build a building. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, for me, I, I look back and I see this burden from the beginning of reaching people with the gospel. There's this amazing quote um, from Earl Sexire that was in the Tribune back in the 40s, I think, about, you know, his some churches focus on the ritual of religion. Um, he said, but the sinners, the masses, the lost, they matter most. And it's just fun to look back and think, okay, that core has been everything to our church since day one. Mm-hmm. And I think when I, when I think about spiritual leadership, I think what's formed me in our church is realizing that my primary role as as a spiritual leader and the primary role as the leader of this church and this organization is we exist. We say life transformation through following Christ. We exist to see folks who don't know Jesus come into relationship with Jesus and casting nets into our community to find creative ways to engage lost people with the gospel. And so I look back and I see things like our illustrated sermons, like the port of call, like our bus ministry, like our radio ministry back in the forties, all of that, like the way we've done just creative construction and theatrical arts and, and everything. We we're always looking for these creative ways to engage lost people with the gospel. And so I feel like my job as a, a pastor is not merely to shepherd God's people and equip them and preach and teach to them, um, but really is to mobilize folks to go out and reach lost folks in the community. And so I'm excited about that. And, and yet the other, the other side of that coin is we've got a, a really great, robust history in preaching the gospel and also preaching the Bible and making the word of God central in everything that we do. And you know, one, of, one of the most impactful moments for me in the, this transition was, um, meeting with, with, um, 
the man that we hired to kind of come in and help us navigate some of the mechanics of it, kind of an outsider to look in and help us make sure that we're not making a dumb insider decision. And, and he came in and he said, you know what, you guys talk about the fact that you're an evangelistic church. He's like, and, and I see that. He said, but really, you don't look like a classic evangelistic church. He said, really, you look like a Bible church that's very passionate, primarily passionate about reaching lost people for Jesus. And when he said that, I thought, yes, that's yeah. us, right? Yeah. That's We're not just a gospel ministry mm-hmm. and we're not just a biblical discipleship ministry. We are a, a biblically minded, biblically founded church that's primarily passionate about reaching the lost of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I see that everywhere in our history. And I feel like that kind of forms my job description. It's really nice to have 85 years or whatever it is of history to form a job description. But um, in a lot of ways, I believe my role is really to steward the kind of the building blocks of that legacy and find ways to contextualize those things for, mm-hmm. for a generation today. That's beautiful. I love that. You know, Pastor Jake, you know, my predecessor always used to talk about how you can't separate discipleship from evangelism. Mm-hmm. You know, that a true disciple has got to be passionate about the loss because Jesus said, you know, so I've been sent, so I send you, you know, um, all authority has been given to me under heaven. Uh, so therefore go and make disciples in every nation. And so how beautiful to see that inculcated in your own spirit and that is really part and parcel with the history of our church that's awesome so you've had like four months to kind of be thinking about some things and getting some things in motion uh tell our listeners uh, what are you most excited about as you step into this role in terms of uh what you know what's on your heart to do and not necessarily you know programs per se or or even specific vision we may talk about vision but what what are you most excited about in this first stage of ministry for you yeah, I think the thing that's been most exciting and relieving to me uh, is that our church is in a really healthy place, mm-hmm. that we've had a long history of healthy ministry without huge moral failure, without financial failure, without church splits, without all that. Mm-hmm. And even in our recent history, we've got just a great foundation to build on. Our church is is growing numerically, which is, is fun and amazing. We've got amazing ministries that are impacting folks with the gospel. People are being discipled. Our home community structure is getting bigger. And um, and, and we've been working together for the last 18 years um, in mm-hmm. ministry. And so I'm not stepping into a brand new church. I don't know anybody. I'm stepping into a new role at a church that I've been at my entire Christian life. Um, and I'm stepping into a place that's a really healthy foundation. And so I think what I'm really most excited about is um, spending this first season devoting myself to the people that God has brought us here and asking with them the question, okay, what would God have us to build on this foundation that he's laid? Mm. Um, I'm On the 6th of January in the installment, I'm preaching in 1 Corinthians of uh, the Paul and Apollos and this idea of, you know, I laid the foundation uh, or Christ is the foundation and then someone else builds on, somebody else builds on it. And so I've been thinking a lot just, you know, Christ laid the foundation of our church. Earl Sexauer built on that through the ministry entrusted to him. Jake built on that. You built on that. And all these different builders bring in different tools and have different roles, different subcontractors kind of come into this building project. Right. And so um, I look back at the last 23 years and I see this this amazing DNA of shepherding that you brought into our church and pastoral care and love for our people. And I love that I get to build on that, on that healthy foundation. And, and I get to discover kind of, okay, what is the reason that God brought me into this place? You know, I I trust that he brought me in for a reason and I, and I don't assume to know what that is right now. I don't know if you knew that day one of of what you were going to do, but 
Um, I think I'm really most excited to know that this is a place where nothing's on fire, everything's healthy, and we mm-hmm. get to start with these conversations around, okay, what, what can God do through these people that he's assembled um, in his name for his glory on his mission? Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see what emerges as we trust the Lord together. Well said, well said. How about challenges? What would you want our listeners to hear from you that they could be praying for you about in this first season? Yeah, I think the... I think the challenge is probably the same. You know, we, mm-hmm. our church has grown in a lot of ways um, in many decades and generations. Mm-hmm. And I think in a sense, it's since I am coming in and I'm a unique person, just like you were when you came in, um, I feel like it's like you move into a new house and you think, this is great. We bought this house for a reason. And then immediately thinking, okay, look at all these different projects that we could do in this place based on kind of what we want to do in this place or what God would have us do in this place. And so I think for me, there's a challenge of we've grown in a lot of directions and it's amazing. And yet I sense that, that in this next season, God's going to call us towards something where we mobilize together towards a common goal. And we haven't done that a lot um, as a church. We've done an amazing job in the sense of giving autonomy to a lot of ministries to do great things in men's ministry and great things in women's ministry and great things in the student ministries, all kind of individualized and separate. But I'm starting to feel like God might be calling us to rally together and say, what are we going to do to reach this community together? And I could see that being a challenge just because we've all used, including myself, used we are used to kind of working in our own silos, doing our own thing. And so I could see it being a, a beautiful challenge trying to figure out, okay, how do we shift our vision from just merely working in our individualized silos of ministry? And how do we start breaking down the silos um, to go after something together without destroying the ministries that God's entrusted to each of us? And so Hmm. I could see that being a challenge because we'll often learn new skills, new techniques, and a new um, way of discovering strategy and going after it, that kind of thing. Beautiful. We'll be praying for that. Thank you. So you have an amazing family, beautiful wife, Jessica, and your six amazing kids. Give us a little read on the vibe of your family about all this change that's going on in your life right now. My kids at first were a little too excited. I think I told you this. uh, The first, you know, when... After that phone call that, hey, the board voted, Jessica and I said, you know, we should we should tell the kids in a way that's meaningful. So we we came up to the church. We had a picnic dinner up on the roof where you can kind of, I love up, up there. Please don't go on the roof, listeners. But I love it up there because you can <laughs> see kind of the whole place that God has called us to go out and reach from that one spot. Um, and so we had dinner. We prayed. We told him. And, and one of my kids stood up and kind of was looking around. And, and I was thinking that he was, you know, just in awe of what God was doing. And he turns around and he says, uh, he's like, Dad how much do you think we could get if we sold all of this? <laughs> I said, excuse me? <laughs> so I had to like have that lesson of like, hey, uh, I don't know what you think just happened, you know, yeah. but um, here, here's what really happened, you know. Um, it's good this, our listeners know that we don't own we don't, this property. We have, no, yeah, we have no ownership whatsoever. And so it was, it was actually a really good conversation with the kids to be able to say, you know what, when you're in charge of something, mm. as a Christian, you don't own it even if you do own it, right? right. You, your job is to be the chief servant in that place. And so if you're in charge, Jesus says, your job is to serve everybody. So like, we don't own any of this. And really, we're not in charge of anything. What we're in charge of is being the people who primarily serve all these people and serve this community. Mm-hmm. And so we're the primary servants of this place. And so um, they were a little too excited. So the kids were fired up. They wanted to tell everybody. We told them, you can't tell everyone until Larry tells everyone. Um, and and, I, and it's been a good conversations for Jessica and I too. You know, I think a lot of that, we don't think about how hard it might be for 
our spouses to step into this place where their husband's doing this thing at work, but somehow their life changes too, where now, you know, I don't, I I don't know what that's going to be like, but people are going to come to them and want to talk about things or what's, you know, they're asking, what's my role in the church? And do I have, you know, I've got all these kids that we got to take care of too. And and how does that all work? And Jessica's always been uh, so supportive of what God's calling me to do um, and us to do. And yet in this new thing, that question is, okay, what am I, what do I have to do? Like, what am I supposed to do? What's my part in all this? And so, she, you know, it's been really cool for her to get, you know, she got uh, a note from your wife, Carla, pretty early on in that process that had a quote from Charlotte, mm-hmm. uh, Pastor Jake's wife, that just said, uh, be spirit filled and be yourself. And I think for her, that was the kind of the cornerstone of, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? My job is to be me. Mm-hmm. My job is not to be what somebody else wants me to be or what I think I'm supposed to be. And mm-hmm. God confirmed that to her several times. It seems like everybody that talked to her in the last four months has come up to her out of the blue and say, I just feel like you need to know, be yourself, just be you, like love mm-hmm. your family, do your thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, it'll turn out. Okay. So I think it's mm-hmm. been cool to see how God works, not just in my life through all this, but, um, in her life too. Absolutely. And the kids don't think we own the church. So that's a parenting <laughs> win right there. <laughs> that's really cute though. I'm going to hold that over the head forever. Yeah, that is awesome. So I know you alluded to it just a minute ago about just like uh, some vision piece, but just let's talk about vision for yeah. just a minute. How do you envision uh, the our church, Three Crosses, to have a greater impact in this community in the years ahead? What, what are some, and again, without trying to have you nail down a specific vision per se, but yeah. just how do you think our church could actually have a greater impact in this community? Yeah, I think that, you know, one of the things that's beautiful about where we are as a church is that we have a legacy that kind of helps us to understand what how we feel like we answer questions like that. And we've also, I think one of the, the great gifts that you've given to our church is that we've spent some time as a team under your leadership kind of crystallizing out loud, okay, this is what these things mean. This is what uh, life transformation means, all, all those kinds of things. And so, you know, when I, when I think of impacting the community, I think, first of all, our church is primarily focused on when we talk about impact, reaching lost people with the gospel. And so that's been fun to know. That's when we talk about impact, that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so when we, you know, we, we have great ministries like cross streets that can go out and work with unsheltered people or um, ministries that can go and serve hungry folks or, or whatever. And yet at the same time, we're always saying, okay, our primary goal is not merely to meet physical needs, but our, our goal is to really find ways to wrap around folks and help them to understand the gospel and being grafted into God's family. And so I, I think primarily when we think about, how to impact the community. That question is always on the forefront of my mind and our, our church's mind is, okay, where are there places in our community where people are far from God that we can find innovative ways to come and, and connect with them and bring the gospel to them? And so, you know, it's been fun to see new ways of doing that. Things like Cafe Four, connecting with a ton of new types of people in our community. And so we're wrestling with, okay, what is it? What does it look like for us to take the folks who come for coffee and help them find their way into God's family? So some of those are the conversations around things that are already happening. And then some are our conversations around what are some new things that we haven't done that would be able to reach people that we haven't been able to reach. And so I've been talking to some folks on our staff just about what are some ways that we can get off this hill. And you've been challenging with us, us with that for a number of years and getting off this hill and into the community and finding ways that we could bring the gospel to folks and bring care to folks and wrap around folks in the real world and help them with whatever services they need and find ways to do that in a really gospel centered way. Um, and so I'm excited to start having those conversations around what are, what are some new people that we can um, serve and bring the gospel towards and, and um, what are some new things that we can launch? And what are some ways that we can renew the things that we are doing in order to have more impact to that end? That's awesome. I'm behind you 100%. I love it. 
I love playing basketball with you. I have enjoyed seeing you start, you know, kind of relatively fresh on the game, but really, you know, you That was like me. the nicest uh, way of putting it possible. Oh. Relatively fresh on the game. Seriously. I've never, no, I have I, never played basketball <laughs> in my life. Oh, seriously? You had never played? <laughs> I mean, I've played fourth grade CYO basketball, yeah. oh, so well, I there, may have just lied to you. There it yes, shows, yeah, then, because yeah, that absolutely. crossover is amazing. <laughs> But, you know, you have come in there and you strike me as a guy that loves to improve your skill because you've become really a skilled ball player. You're doing a lot of great things and uh, it's just been fun to watch. So my question is, when you think about improving skill, what are some of the skills you think you might need to improve, uh, you know, from where you are right now to where you want to be? in your role as senior pastor? Yeah, I think, I think it's been great the last couple of years um, and wise of our church to kind of put me on this journey through a lot of different roles within our church because I think the biggest thing that's new for me is kind of leading at a level where I'm bringing the mission of our church through volunteers and through staff and, and working through others in terms of, I guess that's classic leadership management, that kind of thing. And so it's been good the last couple of years to, to start to grow in that through this executive pastor role to the associate pastor role that I was doing and work with our teams and through our teams and our processes and all that. And so I think for me in this new season, I think that the new challenge that is kind of on the horizon for that is I feel like my primary role in all that now is I also have to be the person who finds the vision, not just the person who accomplishes the vision that you've given to me. Mm-hmm. And so I've been kind of studying and working and developing in how to build that rhythm of kind of getting my head up kind of out of the day-to-day at the 10,000 foot level and say, okay, what's on the horizon? Where are we going? And then build a roadmap together, then come back and communicate it with every strat of our organization and then go back up again and kind of be the leader in the sense of looking out on the horizon and knowing where we're going and communicating, here's where we've been, here's where we are, here's where we're going and doing that in a way that that aligns people and mobilizes things and keeps us trucking forward um, is a new, a new challenge for me because in this last couple of years, it's been great to kind of learn the implementation of that through things like moving to three services. That was a good project for me to work on and um, things like kind of rethinking our home community structure and all the, those kinds of things. But now my job is not just to implement someone else's strategy and vision. My job is also to be the person to go and, and find it. And so it's it's been a good journey, even these in these first four, four months of kind of ramp up to learn how to listen for vision from our congregation, from our mm-hmm. stakeholders, from our staff, from um, all the people involved, from God himself, and um, and then figure out how to distill that into action and communicate that and test the waters. And so I think that's probably the primary thing is how to learn to kind of lead at that level and not just be the person who extends the presence of mm-hmm. the senior pastor throughout the organization, but um, the person who is is responsible for recognizing where God might have us to go and then kind of help that to be implemented into the church. I think that's, I think that's the primary new challenge. You know, it's been great to be teaching, um, in the, over the last probably 10 years, I've been preaching weekly for a lot of seasons. So I'm not nervous about stepping in back into that weekly preaching rhythm. I'm excited about that. Um, I, I love meeting with people and caring for them and I'll be able to continue to do that. And, but I think that new challenge is being the person that at the end of the day, I mean, the hardest thing is I feel like I can't say, well, no, we can't do that because Pastor Larry says no. Now I have to be the person <laughs> to say no. So that'll be the new new challenge, but I still have three weeks left on that one. Exactly. Well, I'm behind you 100%. I should make your role next year chief veto associate. So I can say, listen, I talked to our CVA well, and he Bold. said no. He said no. <laughs> my initial is V, so you never know. Is. There it is. 
We love you. It's going to be awesome, Danny. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. I'm glad you're still going to be here. That's my my greatest excitement for this next season is that I know I'm not doing this alone. I have the Lord. I've got an amazing family, an amazing staff, an amazing church community, and that's enough. But at the same time, uh, I feel like I may have said this in the podcast before, but I feel like you're like the grandpa now in the sense that not because you're I old. I feel like a grandpa. Yeah. But I am a grandpa. Is, but you are a grandfather. <laughs> uh, but in the sense that I feel like I get to come down the hall and bring the issues to you mm-hmm. and we get to kind of play with the issues for a while, but then I have to take them home again yeah. and you get to just sit in your office yeah. and go meet with people. So, <laughs> yeah. um, but in the sense I, I love that you're there for that, that I can come down and connect with you and we can wrestle through things. And there's, you know, 23 years of wisdom in that specific role, you know, 50 feet away. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm looking forward to this next season. It's gracious of you to say, I'm looking forward to that too, Danny. And I'm there with you all the way. Good. Praise God. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Well, that was absolutely incredible. Man, I'm so glad you listened with us today, Pastor Danny, and this interview that we've had together. And wasn't it exciting to kind of hear his vision and the things that he thinks God is going to do in this ministry, and also to hear his humility and how God has prepared him for this role, uh, something that God has been doing in a beautiful way throughout this entire transition. Uh, We'd love to hear your comments about this. You can send us an email at podcasts at threecrosses.org. We'd love to hear your comments about it. And uh, there's another really special thing too that we want you to think about, and that is January 6th, a Sunday coming up soon. All three services on January 6th, we are going to be officially installing Pastor Danny. That's his favorite word, install. Uh, And we're going to be basically doing a special little time where we just hand the baton over and then he's going to preach his first sermon as senior pastor of our church. So you got to come on out. At the end of all the three services, we're just going to have a little fun little party together, some pizza and ice cream and treats and whatever. So come on out, celebrate. Let's see what God's going to do that day. And uh, thanks for joining us today here at the Three Crosses podcast. It's been great. Larry Bold, signing off.